We're into a series that uh, brings us to this business of temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. As Pastor Jamie and I earlier this week were going over this and talking about what that verse teaches. And he's preaching in the other service this morning. So you've got me this morning. Lucky them. (laughs) Anyway, the issue of temptation and evil, deliver us from evil. Actually, the passage is often translated, deliver us from the evil one, Satan himself. It's such a vast subject that we, I'm pretty sure of this, somewhere in the next 12 months, We'll do a series on sin, temptation, and evil, the devil. Because it's so vast. So in 20 minutes, you get a condensed version of things that appear to be important from how Jesus taught us to pray. Because it's a simple statement. Lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. But that is a principle. We keep reiterating that the Lord's Prayer is not like a mantra and something you just recite almost mindlessly, which, sad to say, is often how it gets prayed. What Jesus is teaching, because he's the teacher, and his disciples have asked him to teach them how to pray, because they know he was a prayer. He would be up early in the morning and praying. They'd see him pray here and there, one way or another. And they asked him, how do we get to pray like you? Well, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, he was teaching blow by blow or statement by statement what prayer is. It's a condensation, basic principles. Principle number one, you call God Father, Abba, Daddy. We've been through this. Some of you weren't here. But that's a personal relationship. We're talking about intimacy with God. How do you get intimate with God? You've got to talk to him. You've got to spend time with him. It's not that he does something for you in the sense that somehow he speaks from heaven. You have to give yourself to the particular opportunities to grow in grace. And prayer is the essential connection with God by which person to person, face to face, Heart to heart, you get to communicate with him. So prayer is huge. You can't even come to Christ and commit your life to Christ without praying. Because it is about a personal relationship. When those people come forward at the Graham Convention, Festival of Hope, it's not just a physical action. I was one of the kids who came forward in London... Over 50 years ago, I walked down the front. Somebody was there to meet me. But it wasn't about me walking forward, though that was important, because it's like a decisive move, making a decision to commit to do it publicly. I had a friend with me, and I said to him, I don't know about you, Rich, but I'm going forward. He said, I'll come with you. I got later on to baptize his first baby after he got married. 
When I went forward, it was to ask Jesus into my heart. How do you do that without talking to him? You can't. You get it, don't you? Prayer is talking to God. And that first big prayer that says, Lord, I give myself to you, come into my life. That's how you get to call him Father, because his spirit comes into you. You're born again spiritually, you're made new spiritually, and you have this live now interpersonal relationship with him, Christ in you, spiritually making you alive so that you can talk to God as a dad. Call him dad. That's principle number one. Well, as it makes its way through, and I'm not going through the whole of the Lord's Prayer again. I've got to get to the task here. Along the way, after you've asked for forgiveness, that was last week, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. After you've cleaned the plate, after you've washed the trash away, after you are forgiven, Where does Jesus go with the prayer? Continue, Lord, to deliver me. Continue to protect me from temptation. Deliver me from evil. These are not just little principles. They all flow from the first one, namely intimacy. Because when you blow it big time with God or small time, any kind of blowing it with God, what are you doing? You're in his face. It's what we call sin. And when you sin against him, you're alienating yourself from him, just as you do at home. For husbands mean to his wife or wife to the husband or kids to the parents, it puts distance between you. I had words with my wife this week. She keeps telling me how to drive. (laughs) She's wearing out her side of the car. (laughs) Telling me how to drive. I say, honey, I've been driving around Pittsburgh all my life. And I was offended at her because I get irritated at it. And I'm telling you that stupid little thing. Pray for her, will you? I know you're thinking I'm the one who needs praying for. Around here they used to call me the faster pastor. Or as you say here, faster pastor, or however you talk. That little thing put distance between us. It's a stupid thing. Hey, you kids, when you do something your dad or mum doesn't want you to do, doesn't that put distance between you? I mean, you, you're the doer. My mother, when she called us, when I was a lad, and we were always up to mischief, my brother, Tony, about a year and a half younger than me, we always knew when we were in trouble, when mother called out to us, she would have a certain yodel in her voice. John! Tony! And the last thing we wanted to do was respond to it. Because that kind of call said, you've done something wrong and I found out and I'm having words with you. Come on in. See, it does put distance between you. 
Well, when you pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The heart and soul of that is to keep you on an intimate, ongoing relationship with the Lord as you are protected against it. So get that clear. Having been forgiven, you want to keep the relationship going. Now, to get to the actual text, when it says, deliver us, let me start again, lead us not into temptation. Would God ever lead you into temptation? Two things need to be made clear. Number one, temptation is not sin. You can't avoid temptation. You're tempted all the time. Some of you have been tempted a dozen or 20 times already this morning. It goes through your mind. Some of you are thinking, even as you're hearing me, what have we got to listen to him for? I wish Pastor Jamie were here. I don't want to deal with evil. I don't want to talk about this stuff. You see what that's doing? When that stuff goes through your mind, or anything like it, critical spirit, if I were doing it, I'd do that different. I wouldn't say that. Whatever. You look at each other. What's he doing here? Whoa. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We can't avoid it. And our real battle is this. Temptation itself isn't the sin. Remember, Jesus was tempted. And in fact, Matthew chapter 4, which is just a couple of chapters earlier than what we're looking at, the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6 of Matthew, chapter 4 is where you've got Jesus. If you read verse 1 of chapter 4 of Matthew, it will say this, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan, the devil. What do you think that means? Because our prayer is not, God, don't lead us into sinning. It's protect us from the temptations and yielding to those temptations. Deliver us from evil. God actually uses all the kinds of temptations that come our way to strengthen us. Jesus battled with Satan in the wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, and toward the end of it, it would appear, the way it's written... Satan comes to him and tempts him and it would look like an attempt to get him, Jesus, not to go to the cross, to do it some other way. The last temptation showed him all the world and the power and glory of it. He said, "This Satan saying this to Jesus, can you imagine the goal of this? I'll give it all to you if you'll worship me. Well, that looks like Satan saying, look, you've come to die on the cross. But you don't have to do that. You just worship me and I'll give it to you. That's a temptation. And each time he was tempted, Jesus answered Satan by going to the scripture. And so Satan even comes and quotes scripture to Jesus. Because he's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he comes to divert and pervert people just like you and me from following Jesus. And it may even look like something good. But inspired by Satan, it's just some 
deception. He can come as an angel of light, says the scripture, deceiving the very elect themselves, as if to say, if that were possible. That's what the Bible says. And he's been at it a long time. Temptation is not sin, but God uses temptation to strengthen us. We would be flat if we never ever got tempted. Do you know what kind of flabby Christians we'd be? When you go to California, there are windswept cliffs that have trees that have withstood the prevailing wind. You see, and they're they're actually anchored. They've withstood all the storms. And you see them bending away from the wind. And they're very gnarled and they're beautiful to look at in their sculpture form. But when we enter into temptation, it is something God uses in order to strengthen us. But he comes with the means of grace by which he delivers us. There is no temptation given to man by which God will not give us a way of escape if we're looking for it. But part of the problem is most of us aren't looking for it. We're looking to get into mischief. I'll come back to that in just a moment if we have time. So here is Jesus teaching us to pray how to stay in a right relationship with the Father. Temptation, Lord, protect me from it. Deliver me from it. That's not sin. The temptation is not sin. God is not going to come and make you sin. He's not going to be the tempter. As this says, what does this passage say in James? By the way, James is the brother of Jesus. I don't know if you know that. This James is not the James the Apostle. This is James, the brother of Jesus. The brother of Jesus, that James, was the first bishop or leader of the church in Jerusalem, which is where the church started and began to grow. I don't know if you know that. So that's this James. Look at what he says. You've got it right there in your service sheet. Why don't you look inside the first page and you come to this scripture. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. That's how God uses it. But look at verse 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God is not the tempter, nor does he lead us to the temptation. But we find ourselves in circumstances where we are tempted. And God uses that to strengthen us. God is not the tempter and he doesn't tempt you to sin himself but you get into temptation very easily because there are three huge issues that draw us here they are the world the flesh and the devil the world the flesh and the devil the world is the organized secular system apart from God it's not just the world the created world He's speaking about the world spiritually organized separately from God's kingdom. We've already prayed in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. How does that happen? 
the world getting converted, people coming to Jesus. The world organized apart from Jesus is in opposition to God. The scripture actually says, he who loves the world cannot love God. The world it's speaking about is not nature. It's not beauty. It's the world organized. It's a, what's the word that they use? It's like a, a key word, a, a word that means something more than just simply the world. It's the world's system. It's the world's style. It's the world's attitude. All of it organized apart from God. It's coming at you all the time. Listen to the radio, listen to music, read newspapers. It's coming at you. The world, the flesh, again, code word. That's the word I was looking for. That's code for sinful personality. It's not just raw flesh. It's not blood and tissue and sinew and bones. When it's talking about flesh, that's a code word for sinful nature. Human nature is sinful. Always. You can't avoid it. We are sinners by nature. You don't have to teach your kids. We say this to you quite often nowadays. You don't have to teach your kids to do wrong. You don't even have to suggest how they might even do wrong. They work that all out by themselves. And you're trying to redirect them. Because we are sinners by nature. That is what the Bible means, code word, flesh. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Evil is real. It was Satan who came to tempt Jesus. The Apostle Peter says this, writing here in the Bible. This is the Peter who was a part of the 12 disciples. The devil, as a roaring lion, goes around seeking whom he may devour. He's after us. The way Paul puts it, writing to the Ephesians in this, we don't battle against flesh and blood. Those are not our issue. By flesh and blood, it is talking about ordinary humanity. Our issue isn't people. It's not humanity, but spiritual forces in high places. Evil, wickedness, spiritual wickedness. There really is a devil. There really is evil. It's not just psychologically being warped. It's not you've got some sickness emotionally or intellectually or genetically or by circumstance, whatever it is. There is objective evil. Have you ever been in a place and felt it? Real evil. People don't want to deal with that today. They want it to be, they, they take the therapeutic model that people can be cured, they can be healed, they can be counseled. And while there's value in counseling, and just like there's therapy for physical illness, so for psychological and emotional illness, there's counseling. But the deeper problem is there is a devil, there is evil, there is wickedness. And it's real. So whether it's Peter saying Satan's going around like a, a roaring lion. Or Paul, these are in the Bible, Bible verses, saying that our, our issue, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual evil forces in high places. The way Jesus put it was this, in John chapter 10, which is the good shepherd passage. 
Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He talks about another kind of shepherd who's a shepherd in wolf's clothing. Really, a wolf in shepherd's clothing who comes to seek, to destroy, to kill. He's talking about Satan coming after you. That's real. So what happens is this. You've got a sinful disposition. That's the flesh. And you've got the world coming at you from one side to curry favor, to get you to sin. And you've got the devil coming at you from the other side. And you've got you there very susceptible to it all. That's real life. And it never goes away till you get to heaven. But we have Jesus and his spirit in us and him to talk to and a whole different world of environment that for us is spiritual. So the way Paul puts it is to put on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, Your loins girt with truth. That's the old translation. You're buckled up around the midriff with good leather belt of truth. Your feet shod with the gospel. You've got the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God. You've got the shield of faith to protect you against the fiery darts of the evil one comes firing those darts at you and to pray in the spirit to be able to talk to God and engage with him I know somebody who gets up every morning and before they go do a thing they put on their armor in their minds helmet of salvation bless pray to right they go right down the list go to the word of God get themselves ready to go their feet shod with the gospel lady here you wouldn't believe it. I don't know if uh, Mary Joy's in the congregation. you hear Mary Joy? I know she's not, because if she was here, she'd say, yes. You'd never believe it. She walks out around, she just told me, because we're feeding her Billy Graham gospel tracts. We're buying them by the thousand. She's giving them out in Pittsburgh, and she walks around in Pittsburgh. This is her ministry, amongst others. And she said, how would you like a ticket to heaven? And she told me this week, she asked the guy, and he said, sure, I'd love a ticket to heaven. She said, well, here are your directions. She gave him a tract. He got all excited. And other people were looking. She went right down the line. This is in the cafeteria, and she gave everyone there a tract. It's a little white-haired lady in our congregation. About my age. <laughs> Feet shod with the gospel of peace. When you're about good things, it's a protection against bad things. So the battle is real. The spiritual battle is real. Let me come back to that issue of our thinking about, because I'm virtually out of time here. Doesn't it feel like I've just begun? And aren't you all saying, keep preaching, keep preaching, keep teaching? No, I, I, I'm, 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 hey, 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 I'm just joking. I know some of you are saying, Let's get out of here. Come on, let's come get, get done here. Because we've got Holy Communion yet. That's another whole gift for you. But listen to this. Because we do think about sin. 
There is a kind of sin where you, it's a flashpoint. Somebody cuts you off in the, on the highway. Somebody says something that you don't like. Like my wife speaking to me about how I drive. There are flashpoints. But most of us dwell and think about sin in such a way as we get ourselves organized into it. Am I telling the truth? You think about it. And some of you think you can go so far and no further because you've got this thing under control. Sin of sexual promiscuity starts like that. So far, no further. Look at what it says in this passage here. Just let me direct you to it. Because I'm not just making this stuff up as I go along. Look at the closing four verses. No, middle two, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted by his own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed that after that, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. You've been thinking about it, now you get into it. And sin, when it is full-blown, gives birth to death. You go do it. I read about a, a circus performer who had trained a boa constrictor. That's like a huge snake, like a python, from infancy. So he got this little baby snake, and he trained it. It was his pal. He fed it. And as it grew bigger and bigger, he trained it to sort of wrap itself around him, but never hurt him. And it became a part of the circus act. So now here is this 15-foot python that will come up and wrap itself around him. And people were in awe and horror, and then it would slither down and go, you know, like, it was his pal, because he trained it. But one fateful performance, that snake wrapped around him and tightened and tightened and tightened and he gave it orders and it tightened and he spoke loudly to it and it tightened and then the audience in horror heard the bones begin to crack as he was crushed by it. That's a picture of sin. You think you've got it tamed, under control, and it is a killer. It is a killer. Don't flirt with it. Don't hang out with it. You've got to deal with it. A new believer, actually where I was pastoring, down in Florida, at that chaplaincy, guy who's about as old as I am, came to faith. And he was really rough around the edges. And temptation was his natural habitat. He lived with it. He wanted to clean it up. And he learned that when temptation came, he came by this himself. All he had to do, or this is what he did, was start saying the Lord's Prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. That's next week. And he said, that has helped me beat temptation. What's he doing? 
He's going to God, his father. He's a new believer. He's getting his life put back together again. Remodeling the way he thinks. Redirecting his behavior and his habits. So when the temptation comes, he starts talking to the father. Uses the prayer that Jesus taught. And he says, I'm finding I'm having victory over temptation. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, you knew that the devil was real. And you came to die on the cross to beat him and his plans for us, which are ugly and awful. And to rescue us from all the evil presence in our lives. And all the wickedness of our dispositions. And the things that we have done wrong to give us victory over sin. And ultimately victory over death and the grave. Have that victory in us, Lord Jesus. Win and have your own way. Help us to deal with evil. Kind of evil we've seen in the news this week. Deliver us, Lord, from evil. Protect us in every temptation. Give us the victory. And in your mercy, Lord, help us to take advantage of every means of grace that you have given to us by which we can avoid temptation or deal with temptation and become stronger in our desire to please you and love you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.